You're listening to the Music Interval Theory Podcast with TC and Frank. Hello, all guitar lovers and music creators. I'm your host for today. My name is TC. And in just a moment, we'll jump into a live guitar session that we did with some Academy members. It was lots of fun. Everybody brought his guitar to the session, and we went through some applications together. So, I hope you have your guitar within hand's reach, too, and let's jump right in. Okay, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. We're going to start with pentatonic, but pentatonic dominant, because it opens up a lot of possibilities for blues and jazz and rock and roll that you might not see if you're just playing nor- the normal two pentatonic minor and pentatonic major. And this is the scale. We're starting in A, so it's... With that pattern, we're dividing it in half. The bottom half and the top half. The bottom half goes like this. And out of that, we have a bunch of little A7th chords that can be used together. So if I just look at these guys, that's one. So... That's two, and then three. So it's three little A seventh chords. I know some of them have ninths in it, some of them are extended, but the point is that it's not gonna matter if you're comping. So you can go. Okay, so that enables you to see these little guys. So now you don't have to have four parts. You could just use three parts. If you use three parts, it's this. But we're starting off very simple. This is a pentatonic dominant. It's scale tones 1, 2, 3, 5, and minus 7. So you get a ninth sound in there because it's got a twos in. But you can have three-part chords or four-part. If you have three, you get these guys. four parts and you can hear it gets thicker so you can control how thick that is that is all dividing this scale into two vertical halves the bottom half which is what we were just using. And now, the top half. So here's the top half. And 
Okay, so now that top half also has three parts. So now I have the bottom half, which is this, top half, bottom half, top half, bottom half, top half, bottom half, top half. And both of these can be three-part or four-part chords. You can actually have two if you want. If you're just comping, you just take two notes. Since you know what the column looks like, right? And it enables you to play around all over the place. And actually, you can't play a bad note because the second you do, a good note is just one away all the time. So if you get these columns down, which I'm going to give you an exercise, and then we'll move on to another subject. But if you get these columns down, you're going to have so many options just playing in that one position. So the idea is to learn the two columns. So it's... and get to where you really can play those and probably sweep with the pick. I'm using Jeff Beck style, so I don't have a pick, but. Sorry. Okay, so once you've learned that, then go up to the next position for an A dominant pentatonic, and that'll be here. So you're starting on the top half of your last position becomes the bottom half. And this is the new pentatonic dominant. So now the top half looks like this. And just like the other columns, you can pull three-part and four-part chord structures out of them. So this would sound like this. So now I have this guy.
if we're using four-part chords, that gives us nine little A seventh sounds. So if we're looking for comping places, these are them. And this is a very pretty sound, by the way. So we're in this position now. So this is a, believe it or not, a little A7 chord. But it's built in, in like fives, right? You got all fives on top. And then you got the seven down here. So this is nice if you have walking bass lines. So this outside interval here is a 14, right? So, and then I have these guys in, in below. And it all comes from this. So now, then let's go up to the next one because there's five tones, there's five positions, right, for the pentatonic. And the next one is here. And everything applies. So you got three and four parts that you can pull, or you can just have dyads, just little simple dyads, okay? And when you're comping, if there's a keyboard player, stay out of the way, you know, let them do the work. I mean, be, let's let's be real musicians and be a little bit lazy and let the keyboard player do a little, they have bigger egos than we do anyway. Well, I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> but they, they generally have pretty good size egos. So then the last position, is here. So we got five positions, right? You identify position by what's on top. So whatever your top note is, is that's the position you're going to be playing. If you're thinking in terms of a column, and remember each position of the pentatonic dominant has two columns, but if you're just sticking in one column, like this down here, it's the root. So this column, it's the position of the root, so it's, if I'm thinking the actual guitar position, it's position of the two because the two is going to be on top if I play the pentatonic. Right? That column is a column with the position of the two in it. So you just kind of, you get to where it doesn't matter. You just know the shapes because guitar is a shaped instrument. But if we know the actual notes and the shapes, it really helps getting a lot out of your playing and your soloing. 
Now, here's here's the one thing I'm going to do. Then we're going to leave pentatonic, okay? I, by the way, I'm available to you guys. Githo can attest to this. If you want to call me or talk to me directly, you probably end up wasting half of your day because I like to talk about this stuff. So don't call me unless you got time. <laughs> you know, don't email me and say, hey, TC, I need to talk to you. And, okay, great. And then you call me and say, oh, I only got 20 minutes <laughs> because I won't be scheduling 20 minutes. I'll be scheduling kind of open-ended. Here's the secret. This is how you practice it. Pick an RC in your head. I want you to pick an RC in your head. Let's say, for sake of making it easy, it's two descending. RC, two descending. My root is going to go A, G, F, E flat, D flat, B, A. So let's start off the column. Just the A column position of the root. And this is what it looks like. And now we're going to voice lead that whole column to a G root, which means that's descending. It's RC descending. So we're going to go up the opposite direction. And that's going to be the G column with the 2 on top, because the A column had the 1 on top. We're going up, so it's now the 2. And so this is what it sounds like going A to G. Here's the A. G. A. Once you start seeing that, now we're going to go to the F root. And the F root is going to have what note on top of the column? It's going to be the 3, because we're going up, right? So we start off with the 1, then it's the 2, then it's the 3. And here's what the F sounds like with the 3 on top. So here's A, G, F. We're actually voice leading these columns. The next one is going to be from F down to E flat. We're just keeping RC2. And that's why I want you to start with the RC2s going both ways, down and up. Because on the guitar, that really clarifies where you are on the columns. If you start doing RC5s, they sort of just flip-flop. It'll work, but it's not as good. The 2s are great. So stick to RC2s descending and RC2s ascending. And that'll open up all of the columns to you. Now we're on E-flat. Here's the F. Now E flat. Okay, that's the E flat. 
The next is the D flat. Okay, here's the D flat. And now we come to the B, which is going to be the same shape as the column with the root on top. So we're back to our original. If you go from A all the way down by RC2, when you get to the B, you're going to be starting on the front column with the root on top. And just keep going. Then the next thing, from there you'd go to the A, and now you're an A, but you're in the column with the two on top. Two's on top now. So you get double practice on seeing these columns. Do you see, I just want to add one thing quickly because I just did it while you were playing the columns up and down with a different note um, at, uh, on top. If you need some more context, harmonic context, then I suggest once we send out the replay, while TC performs those columns, just play the dominant seventh chord with the respective root tone, obviously, below those columns. And you will have the complete harmonic context of the scale, and it fits perfectly. <laughs> so if you feel confused by the change of the sound right now, because obviously a root cycle two has this you know, whole tone kind of a feel, and that at some point you leave the idea of a tonal center actually very quickly. So then just, um, just play these dominant structures, and this will present almost an anchor, the harmonic anchor for those columns, and it makes things easier for your ear to pick it up. If you need that, because it helped me right now keep track of the columns, and if you find that beneficial, maybe just record or you know go to Sibelius and hit those dominant seventh chords over five bars, whatever time you, you need to hear those, and play the column on top, clarifying the harmonic context around it. I think it's pretty complete, but it doesn't matter if it's not complete and you need to get it. You just have to make an appointment to talk to me about it, and I'll talk you through it. I would do mostly RC2 and RC3s. I wouldn't bother with RC5 because you're going to get it. You can do RC1s. That's going to really take you a long time to get all the way up the neck. But RC2 is, is nice because you can hear. After a while, you can hear the difference. It's easy. I want you to hear the sound and the structures because these guys offer you so many dominant chords. I mean, all your dominant chords are going to be covered. And as far as comping goes, you'll never be lost because you'll see the columns and you'll have immediately six, maybe nine possibilities. And if you're thinking in only terms of two notes, like an A, and then the second column. So I've got this. Right? So you can have fun. Nanny Wanny. Just two notes. All of a sudden, boom, your comping ability and choices explodes. So now let's just spice it up. Let's talk about um, 
the smallest intervals we have, ones and twos. How do you use those? How would we use them in the context of blues, let's say, ones and twos? If I want to do three, six, two, five chord progression, and I want to use ones, I would use 11s instead of ones because that gives me a, an open voicing for guitar. This would be the one sound, right? But it sounds better here. That's more like a guitar sound, right? So let's say I'm in the key of G. What's the three chord in the key of G? Anybody? B minor. Okay, forget about the minor part, just the B is all I care about, right? Swat that B. Here's the B note, right? Remember, we're gonna be in G. So three, six, two, five is this. Right? I'm gonna just put 11s, straight 11s, and now I get. I don't care what chord it is. This is just. Just 11s. The B is on top, right? Back to my G. It can make a G major 7th, it doesn't matter. Right? So I can go. Now I sound like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> no, I do. I actually do. <laughs> All right. So what is the nature of 1 and the nature of 11? If you guys haven't been in the TNO series yet, I'll just tell you. So 11s resolve to 9s. And ones expand to threes. So if I have this, that's a one, it wants to go. That's where it wants to go. Or. Elevens want to go to nines. So now if I put resolution on all of my elevens, what do I get? I get. Right? I'm not playing chords, I'm just playing intervals. Now, the interesting thing is, once you're in only intervals, even though we're outlining a three, six, two, five, well, maybe we should make it a plus four, a plus four, seven, three, six, two, five. Oh, okay, well, here's plus four. It doesn't matter. I can keep backing up. I can do turnarounds with those just those intervals. The keyboard player is going to look at you and go, what the hell were you doing? He's not thinking like that. He's thinking of a F sharp minor 7 flat 5 is what he's thinking of. So he's thinking of this. That's what he's going to be doing. So if I play this... I can move it like the other guys. Okay, so it's like... 
can almost go anywhere with this stuff. It depends. All right, I forgot where I was. <laughs> We're going to practice 11s. So let's start on a C. Here's a C. Or even on the lowest string, okay? So C, an 11. That's a B note. So let's resolve it. So we're going to go up the scale. 11, 10, 10, 11. Now you can just fool around with this. Just using your tens, you want time to think about if you're ad-libbing something or you're trying to play a solo, you just stay in the scale and just use your resolutions, give yourself time to think. And also the resolutions start taking you places. You can hear where if you go. You know, I just, oh, I just shift it one and I get that pretty little change and that, that takes me to a new tonal center if I want. What I can quickly add that uh, what you just touched upon, this is also part of what we actually already recorded, I believe, two years ago, three years ago, uh, which is partly at least the Baroque guitar application. Funnily enough, I'm right now looking at this on the hard disk drive here. So this is um, 27 Baroque lessons that we have in video. They are rather small ones, but get to the meat immediately. This is also something that we will polish and roll out over the year. The whole thing about Mita is to not hold on to anything close to the vest, that share every bit of knowledge we know and let everybody take it as far as they'll take it, because they'll take it further than we did. Guido's done that a few times with guitar. He's started writing songs on things that that we went over and I wow you know so Mita is a new way to think and we want to have a new way to think on the guitar too this was a fantastic start because it can bring you to so many different places like the jazz chords all of those you know three six two five one things or even the baroque improvisation where you just take the twos let them resolve and then out of a sudden you shifted from you know you see tonal center to whatever a flat and it sounds very natural i can't remember even why we haven't released them yet there might be a thing like you know we asked some members to transcribe what you did on the guitar but we have a ton of materials on this and we will roll it out because there is no sense in sitting on this and not releasing it yeah, I just want to say that Tom's, the guitar lessons for me are the golden, <laughs> precious thing. Because I was just a rock and roll player on the guitar, and I was a jazz piano player 
all these complicated intervals and stuff like that, I would immediately go to the piano and not even try on the guitar. <laughs> but then after a couple of lessons, I was like, oh my God, I'm in love with the guitar again. Because I don't have an acoustic piano, I don't play the piano anymore. I'm constantly just finding new intervals in the guitar and thinking like what he just said. And he just elevated my guitar playing by 100x. I'm not kidding. <laughs> so oh. trust it because it's the most precious guitar lesson in all the internet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's a good thing I put vitamin C on my face today, otherwise you'd think I was blushing. <laughs> this podcast is powered by the Music Interval Theory Academy, your resource for getting clarity and confidence in music composition and orchestration. See you inside at musicintervaltheory.academy.com.